and welcome to the YA podcast. If you are from England and in the Cambridge area, you may have heard of the C3 Church and this is the Young Adults Recordings from our services. We meet at 7.30 in the C3 Centre on a Wednesday to worship and hear some word and also to gather together for some discussion. And one of our members has kindly recorded our preachers so that you can catch up or listen online. If you're not from the Cambridge area and you would like to come visit us, please do. Um, otherwise, enjoy. With no further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Curtis. Curtis is a good friend of the house. He is on team here. He is an amazing guy. Those of you who know him will vouch for me. He is a loyal friend. He is a dedicated guy. And I know that he's prepared super, super diligently for tonight what he has to share. I have the privilege of having a sneak peek at his notes. I am super excited. And so will you join me in giving Curtis a warm, warm welcome as he comes to share on Talking to Jesus. Hello. A little keen. Sorry. Um, that was me. Uh, <laughs> so, as Edson said in his lovely little soliloquy there, I'm. There's <laughs> a big word. It's a, a monologue, a lovely. Anyway, I'm Curtis. I serve here on team. I've, you've seen me before. You'll have seen me skulking around the back of the production desk. If you haven't seen me, it's because I'm skulking around the back of the production desk, because it's my safe space, what can I say? Um, but here we are, I found myself in front of all of YA, and I'm going to deliver a preach. So, I take it you're on board, excellent, right. So, Edson mentioned up top, uh, I have the honor of opening the series on prayer and prophecy. Thank you, Anya. I was waiting for the woohoo. Um, and next week we have Esther Joshua preaching. Shout out, EJ. And this, pre- this series will end with a prophetic night. So we'll have the prophetic team in-house. It'll be a great night. We did one of these last year. It was electric. So, you know, stay tuned in and maybe come along. You'll, you'll have a good time. Um, but, yeah, prayer and prophecy For those that don't know what those two words mean, I will give a quick definition, just so we're on the same page. Prayer, simply put, is communication between us and God. That's all it is. It's very important, but that's all it is. And prophecy is one of the ways that God talks back to us. He does it in another... He has other means, and I'll cover that slightly later. But that's basically... It. Now, as simple as that sounds, prayer is very, very important. And I think a lot of the times, whether we know it or not, we realize it's important and we get tripped up by that. Like, who's, by show of hands, who's ever felt pressure when they've been asked to pray or when it comes to prayer? Okay, right. This message might be for you then. Here we 
we go. <laughs> okay, cool. So the title of my preach today is Why Talk to Jesus? And when Ed approached me about preaching this message, I was as obtuse as I could possibly be, and my response was, because we're supposed to. Next, moving on. Next question, please. Um, but I actually sat with it, and I thought about it, and ironically, I prayed about it. Um, <laughs> and the verse that I've kind of built this message around is Matthew 6. Well, the verse is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. Um, for a bit of background context, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And for those that don't know what that is, read Matthew. But in my head canon, it's basically like the original Jesus conference. There's Jesus, there's a load of people. He's given out all the tips, tricks, secrets to how to live a good life, and he does it all for free. Nobody had to pay a thing. And then they're all fed afterwards. I digress. Um, so yeah, the Sermon on the Mount is really, really important. I recommend everyone reads it. There's so much gold and so much wisdom in there. Um, but this particular passage, which I'm going to read, is kind of key to the rest of my preach. So I'm going to read it quickly, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to get into the nitty-gritty. Um, and it reads as follows. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word speaks to us in this day and age still. I pray that as I preach this message, whatever is from you will stick, and whatever isn't will fade into the void. Amen. Uh, I'm a short prayer. I don't like to wax eloquent. Um, <laughs> cool. So, why talk to Jesus? Uh, or why pray at all? Uh, I mentioned up top, prayer is really key. And the Bible has the word pray, or any of its variations, hundreds of times, depending on which version you read. In the ESV, it's 322. The other ones, it's others. It's really important, guys. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. Um, in fact, there are also 650 like recorded prayers in the Bible. Fun fact for you, 25 of those are from Jesus. So even he knew that prayer was important. And all of this is to say it is important. We should be doing it every day, but we don't need to feel. It doesn't need to be bigger than it is essentially, is my point. It's Anyway, so why talk to Jesus? I think we should probably start at the beginning because we need to know who Jesus is. So, open up your Bibles to Genesis. No, that's fine. I'll give you a quick recap. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that bit. He did the animals. Adam and Eve came along. It was good for a time. We all know that bit. And then along came a serpent, dragon thing. Does anyone here, who, anyone here know who the, quick sidebar, who the Bible Project are? Does anyone follow the Bible Project podcast? 
they're doing a series right now on dragons in the Bible, and it's amazing. Um, it is slightly reshaping how I see quite a lot, actually. Um, that was a quick sidebar on the... Anyway, this malicious creature turns up in the garden, and it deceives Eve into breaking one of God's fundamental laws, which is do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Rolls right off the tongue. Um, so that happened. Eve ate the fruit, and it kind of all went west from there. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, never to return again. God cursed the serpent. It's all looking pretty bleak. Everything is broken. But God had a plan. And the reason we know that this plan existed back in Genesis is what he says when he's talking to the serpent the malicious creature, the deceiver. He turns around and says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is very important. Keep that in your mind as we continue through the Old Testament. The Old Testament's great, guys. Read it. It's amazing. Um, so... Humans are out of Eden. The world is falling into chaos. And God decides he's had enough. He can't see his beautiful creation, well, play out like this. So he picks a righteous man by the name of Noah and says, I need you to build me a boat big enough for you, your family, and two of every animal. Noah builds the boat. God floods the earth. Clean slate. However... As the waters are receding, God decides that maybe he won't wipe humanity off the face of the earth again. He sends a rainbow up, there's some doves, it's a nice time. He promises that regardless of what happens, he will never destroy us all again. Also very important, keep that in mind. Uh, humanity prospers again, and then along comes a man by the name of Abram. You might remember him, Campbell talked about him in his preach a couple of weeks ago. Um, and God promises Abram, who then changes his name to Abraham, that he will make him into a nation. He will have descendants as many as the number of stars in the sky. All well and good, except Abraham was old and he still didn't have a single son. So, you know, it was he had a tough time believing that. There was a lot of doubt happening in that space. Fast forward a bit. God delivers after a few minor missteps from Abraham and his wife. Along comes Isaac. And <laughs> I say minor missteps. It's whistle-stop tour. Along comes Isaac. And God then, tells Isaac, God then tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. If you remember from Campbell's preach, Isaac was everything Abraham ever wanted. And God asked him to give him up. And that must have been maddening. I don't have a son, but I know giving up everything I would ever want would not sit well with me in the slightest. But he did it anyway. Another quick sidebar. An unmentioned bit of the Isaac story, I find, is, yes, Abraham was obedient. He went to go sacrifice his son. But nobody really talks about how obedient Isaac was. He kind of just, like, led on the pyre and just waited to be slaughtered. And not a lot of people talk about it, so props to my guy. Like, that is a level of obedience that I don't think I would ever possess. But anyway, yes, 
God delivers the ram. Isaac lives. Isaac gets married, has his son Jacob. Jacob changes his name to Israel because he had a wrestle with God. He has 12 sons through various wives. We have the 12 sons of Israel. Are you all still with me? Stick with me, guys. Cool. Um, right, so some stuff happens. One of Jacob's favorite sons ends up in Egypt because his brothers were jealous and mean, and they sold him to Egypt. Uh, Joseph ends up in Egypt, ends up running the joint, and famine hits the land back home. His brothers come along. He gives them food. There's a happy reconciliation. Everyone kisses and hugs, and Jacob and all the 12 sons of Israel move into Egypt. They live happily and prosperously for some time. Cool. Um, right, and then we're at Exodus now. It's fine. We're, we're done with Genesis. We're at Exodus now. Cool. <laughs> um, right, the Israelites grow, they prosper, they're having a good time. The Pharaoh of Egypt doesn't like what he's seeing. He feels threatened by them. He feels threatened by their presence. Turns into an evil dictator, Cyber, if you read the Bible Project podcast. He's a form of the dragon. Anyway, um, so he oppresses them. And it, again, once again, they're not having a good time. Start praying, crying out to God. God finds a dude called Moses. If I hope you know who Moses is. I'm not going to get lost in the weeds there. Moses delivers the people out of Egypt and sends them on their way to the land God promised to Abraham, however many centuries ago it was now. Um, some stuff happens in the desert. <laughs> okay, The Israelites kind of lose their way because, again, doubt... Doubt is a killer thing, people. I'm telling you right now, things go very wrong when we give in to doubt. They end up wandering the desert for 40 years as a result of their doubt and trying to find comfort in things that aren't God. Uh, but eventually, they get into the promised land. They set up shop. Everything is great, sort of, for a time. And then we get to, where am I? I am. I'm at First Samuel. Excellent. So <laughs> the Israelites live for a while without a king. There is no king. There is no emperor. They're kind of just living, and God is their king. However, they get jealous of all the other nations who have, like, a definitive figurehead ruler person, and they say, God, we want a king. And the prophet at the time, dude called Samuel, was like, no, you don't want a king. You want God. Stop being silly. They all went, we want a king. So God gives them a king. Uh, dude called Saul, he does an okay-ish job for a time, and then things go west. And then God finds a dude named David. We should all know who David is. We sing songs about him a lot of the time. Um, David becomes a, I think the message on Sunday, the preacher called him like the greatest king of Israel, which is quite a title. Um, but David is very important. One. Well, by the by. Um, David is very important. He becomes king, and for a time, once again, things are good. And then every king that follows David, things go in a downward spiral that is, you'll only believe it if you read uh, the books. It's something else. However, as Israel is being invaded and everyone's being scattered throughout all of this, God never forgot his promise he never forgot his promise to the serpent, and he never forgot his promise to the woman, all the way back in Genesis. 
So throughout all the downfall of Israel, God remembers this. And through David's lineage, along came a woman, well, she was a girl at the time, called Mary. And we should all know who Mary is. It's almost Christmas. We'll be singing songs about her in no time. Um, Mary had the miracle baby, who is Jesus. Um, And Jesus went on to... I can't really find the words to, like, sum up everything that he went on to do in his life. In my notes, I've got the resurrecting miracle wonder baby, but, like, I just... That's really not enough. Like, so... Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise God made thousands of years ago in Genesis. Like, everything that has happened up until now has led to the moment of his birth. And the 33-ish years that followed, that was what God was leading up to. He was born. He spent some time growing up, as all lads do, went to the synagogue with his parents, stayed there to teach a bit, got told off by his mum for, you know, not being by her side when it was time to go home, as most mothers would. Um, Which, yeah, it's bold telling off the Son of God, but that's by the by. He grew up, he grew strong, he learned how to live with people, he learned how to relate to people. He was God, but he was also human. He walked among us. And then he entered into his ministry, went around performing all the miraculous stuff he did. He changed so many lives, and that all led up to the cross, where he took the heat for all of our sins. Everything we had done, everything we were going to do, he took that on himself, and he gave himself so that God wouldn't have to take it all out on us. And that's who Jesus is. Um, And it's not just me saying this. I can read you scripture that backs this up. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 to 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. No one comes... Oh, sorry, wrong one. Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 5.2. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope and glory of God. Bible's pretty clear. Unless we believe in Jesus, unless we believe in what he did for us on the cross... This is all kind of meaningless. You're not going to be able to... (laughs) Paul literally says you cannot gain access to him, to the Father, except through him. So that's why we talk to Jesus, essentially. And we pray because we need to communicate with God. We believe in Jesus so that we can pray and communicate with God. Is everyone with me so far? Cool. Cool. We understand who Jesus is. Excellent. So I made a snide comment up top about when Ed asked me to preach about why I talked to Jesus, and my response was, well, 
Why not talk to Jesus? We're supposed to. Um, but again, after thinking about this, I think that there's something in that. I think we have a tendency of putting a lot of barriers between us and praying. And I've got five here, which I relate to the most because these trip me up all the time. Um, so you might relate to some of them. You might relate to none of them. You might be like me, and they all describe you perfectly. It's fine. Like, hopefully after this, you will know that A, you're not alone, and B, none of them are really true. You'll see what I mean when I get into it. So reason the first. If you've ever come to pray, and the first thought that's entered your mind is, I'm not worthy, and there are a few different derivatives of that. Joel summed it up perfectly earlier. I've got like a whole paragraph on this, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it as that. No, it's fine, mate. Don't worry. Literally, you summarized it perfectly. Um, you are technically correct in that you're not worthy. All, all fall short. We know that. Paul says it all the time. However, <laughs> to those who believe there is unfiltered access through grace. So you're technically correct, but also that's wrong to use an excuse. As an excuse, it's reason the first. And it doesn't matter what you do or what you've done. Like, again, Joel said it perfectly. He, he loves you. He just wants to know you. So, you know, talk to him. He's a nice guy. Um, the second reason, I don't trust him. So in brackets for this one, I've put, he won't do my bidding and I don't want him to interfere with my life. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'm quite an independent person. Um, my need to solve my problems alone borders on, borders on pathological at times. And so I seem to have somehow in my head told myself that I probably don't need God to interfere with this. And if he does, it will probably go wrong anyway. So I'll just take care of it. It's fine. Don't worry about that situation. I've got it. So, um, yeah. The Israelites are real proof that that is not the case. <laughs> I can categorically tell you that that's not true. The Israelites wanted a king, and that began the descent of their nation. In the desert, they thought they knew best, and they ended up wandering for 40 years. It's not true. You can trust God. He does know best, and it won't feel like it in the moment. I promise you, you come out on the other side feeling a lot better about the whole thing. It's... <laughs> It's the bait, it's faith. You've got to take it on faith. Like, and I've got some more Bible to throw at you. <laughs> Again, do you, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And in verse 9, Jesus actually instructs us on how we should pray. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Does everyone know the Lord's Prayer? 
excellent. I won't go through it now. Um, we run into a lot of trouble when we treat God as a genie. So let's, let's not do that. Let's bring our request to him, sure, but he already knows what he's doing. So we should be thankful that he knows what he's doing. And, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um, reason the third. He takes too long, in brackets, I'm impatient. Um, just by show of hands, how many of you have prayed a prayer, got tired of waiting for a response or a sign from God, and then given up on the prayer, and then just given up on praying altogether? Yeah, sounds about right. Join the club. I think I've got jackets somewhere. Um, so I'm going to be throwing a lot of Bible at you today because I, I can't say it better than the Bible. Um, Matthew 21, 22, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What does that mean? Basically, it means you've got to be, you've got to stick with it. You've got to be willing to keep praying. And if you keep praying and if you keep believing, eventually God comes good. Like, he will respond. You need to hold on to whatever you're praying for. You need to hold on to the faith that you have in Jesus. So, yeah. Fourth reason, nearly there. Um, okay, this one might be a bit... Should have put a vulnerability warning on here. Okay. Um, so, reason the fourth. I can't express myself to him. Slash, I can't be real with him. Slash, I cannot be vulnerable with him. Now, I reckon when the stuffing hits the fan, we've all got someone... I bet you can picture someone in your mind right now who you text the minute things start to go west, right? Someone you can just vent to and be real with, and they can help you through whatever you're going through, right? <laughs> what if I told you that there is possibly someone better? Someone that sees the situation not with human eyes, but someone who has a vision from outside our time space. And what if I told you you could find comfort in speaking to that person about your troubles, about how broken you are, and just about how, like, down you are? He, it's, it's Jesus. Like it, <laughs> I said earlier that he walked among us, he learned to live with us. And actually, I'm going to shout out Chammy on this one because you said this to me a while ago and it's just popped back into. So, back when Israel was falling, God would send prophets. And one of these prophets was Isaiah. 
Isaiah's quite, well, the great thing about Isaiah is he foretold the coming of Jesus and he foretold everything that would happen up to and including the death and the resurrection. And while he was prophesying about Jesus, one of the things he said was he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He's writing that about Jesus. He's writing that about Jesus. Like, he knows what it is to be human. He's familiar with suffering. He knows pain. When Lazarus died, he grieved. Like, and that's even as he knew that he was going to bring him back. So, I promise you now, whatever you're feeling, if you're in the lowest of valleys, you can unload all of that on God. Like, he's not going to run away. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. Like, he knows. He gets it. He's been us. So, and if you still don't believe me, in your groups, you're going to read Psalm 88. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. Give it a read and then tell me that I'm wrong. Um, I didn't actually want any of the smoke, but I will die on this hill. Um, okay, and the last one, and this is the one that bites me the most. He doesn't respond to me, slash I can't hear him. Um, and I think this one is exacerbated by the fact that we can't actually see who we're talking to. It's not like if I was to chat to Gab, I can look directly at him and I can watch his body language, I can gauge his reactions, like there is some form of feedback there in what we're talking about, right? Um, and it's very easy for us to get discouraged when we don't feel we're getting a response back. However, my challenge to you this evening, and I've had to come to terms with this, um, is how are you expecting God to respond to you? Have you put him in a box? Have you prayed your prayer and then gone, I will not move until I hear the audible voice of God? If you are blessed enough to hear the audible voice of God, congratulations, I slightly envy you. I would kill to have that, but that's by the by. I wouldn't actually kill anyone, I'm a Christian. Um, yeah, my point is, it's easy to not, it's easy to expect a certain response from God and then be discouraged when you don't get that response in a particular way. Because then you'll start asking yourselves, yourselves questions like, eh, maybe I lack faith, uh, maybe I'm not holy enough, uh, maybe he just doesn't want to talk to me. Like, It's categorically not true. God is the God of the universe. The earth is his and everything in it. He can respond in any way he sees fit. It's down to us to be open to a move of God 
and it's down to us to be discerning enough to be able to realize that it's him that's talking to us. And he can respond and communicate in a multitude of ways through your Spotify, through a situation at work, through a lecture you're reading through, through an Instagram reel on one of the many Christian meme pages I follow. Like, it's, it's not good to box in what God can do and how he can move because you will miss something. And that's something, well, in my experience, I've normally missed something great, which is annoying, but that's by the by. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's not box God in. After we pray, let's be expectant. And let's be ready for a response, no matter how it comes. Um, and that was point five. So I'm going to land the plane now. What the band would like to come up. So at worst, this will sound patronizing. And at best, this will sound really weird. But stay with me on this. I've talked quite a bit about, oh, I've mentioned doubt a lot throughout this preach. And that's because, in my experience, doubt has been what's hampered me in my journey and in, like, my confidence in approaching prayer. But, what if everything we assumed that everything we believe is true. Let me give you an example. Sun rises in the east, sets in the west. It's been like that for as long as it's been like that. No one thinks about it, no one questions it. If you push a koala out of a tree, it will hit the ground. That is how gravity works, no one thinks about it, no one questions it. It's just what it is. No one doubts gravity and no one doubts the setting of the sun. What if we applied that to our faith? How would that change how you approach prayer? I'm going to leave you with Hebrews 10. It's the last one, I promise. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's hands, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's it. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the YA podcast. Remember to subscribe if you like our content and we look forward to seeing you next week.